Welcome, my friends, to Scatcast Presents Dipshit Files number 13. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And once again, we're going to delve into some dark-ass shit. <laughs> and this one's kind of more of a magazine-style yeah. podcast. We're going to look into multiple things, and we're calling this one Exploring Depravity, mm-hmm. Volume 1. Mm-hmm. So we've got lots of things we're going to look at. Yeah. We're cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Adrenochrome, mm-hmm. Satanic Panic, mm-hmm. and Mass Hysteria. Right. So let's fucking get to it. Dipshit Files number 13, engage. So we're finishing our cannibalism focus for the month of June. Yes, we are. In honor of barbecues, <laughs> I guess is why we did that. Outdoor cooking. That's right. I saw Time Suck even had a, a cannibal thing as well. Yeah. They did the a live story, the yeah. Brazilian, I think it was Brazilian soccer team that mm-hmm. crashed. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what is what is it about June and people want to eat people? I don't know. I think it's we're coming out air. of a cold ass dark winter and yeah. we want to barbecue. And I, We want to barbecue yeah. our neighbors because... <laughs> We're not so sure we we like our neighbors anymore, maybe. Who knows? Well, today on the Dipshit Files, we've got, like we said, a kind of a magazine style. Mm -hmm. We're going to go from segment to segment and have some fun. We do have one person that we have uh, in the danger meter. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you about him. His name is Armin Mivies. Yes. Then we're going to look at cannibalism as a whole, Mm -hmm. its legality, Mm -hmm. and some of its silliness, actually. Then we're going to look at adrenochrome and some of the dangers of viral misinformation. Mm-hmm. And Monique has got a good point about the young blood, the obsession with youth. And yeah. we're going to tie that into our ending thing. But satanic panic is also going to be looked at, and mm-hmm. ritual abuse, as well as mass hysteria and mob mentality, which mm-hmm. is kind of tying in everything. Yeah. So we'll get to all of that stuff. But first, we're going to talk about, this is our fifth or sixth cannibal, I mm-hmm. think our sixth cannibal that we've talked about here. Right, right. And our top, as you guys, if, if you're keeping track at home, mm-hmm. we have... For those playing along at home. Playing the home game, <laughs> the Dipshit Files home game. There are six people tied, uh, there's six people in the top five, two tied for the Dipshit Meter right. ranking or whatever, the Danger Meter. Albert Fish, Cannibal. He's number one. Number three, Joachim Kroll, Cannibal. Mm-hmm. Num- uh, number four, tied, both are cannibals. Peter Bryan, Catherine Knight. Mm-hmm. And then Jeffrey Dahmer is number five, Cannibal. Mm-hmm. So apparently... If you eat with people, with our meter, yeah. If you eat people, you get high up in the. But yeah. I think that is because people don't want to be eaten. People are afraid for whatever their maybe spiritual and religious beliefs are. Yeah. That if you eat their body, that ain't good for them. Well, so. I think it takes a, a certain amount of depravity to be able to willingly and knowingly eat another human. Mm-hmm. I think it just does. It's just mm-hmm. part of the nature. I mean, I don't think we naturally. Uh, have an affinity for our own kind as far as consumption goes. And it takes a little bit of a a loose screw. Now, I know that we probably all have wondered just out of morbid curiosity. Long pig. Wonder what that tastes like. But the moment that thought crosses at least my brain, huh, it's gross. And there is no way I could do it. Now... Even down to would, if you were like the alive thing, if you were stranded and to survive, would you eat your comrades? Would Fuck you yeah. eat your friends? Fuck yeah. Um, and, and I know that <laughs> the, honestly, the, the answer would be yes for me too, because I would have no other option. Last resort. If, if I possible. wanted to survive. I'd go find some bark and if the bark but didn't do I it, I'd But I don't know if I, 
I don't know if I could. Because I, I remember being a child when I was a little girl. Mom made uh, liver and onions mm-hmm. when I was little. <laughs> and I remember loving the smell. I was so excited. But the moment I put it in my mouth, I couldn't chew it. Mm. Because my body, it kind of like... A, uh, it oysters, no. oysters on the half shell as oh. well. My body knew, and it's like, nope. Ever try and eat something where your throat literally, you the gag oh, yeah. reflex kicks in, or your throat closes off, and there is no swallowing it. Yeah, and your salivary glands are just pumping out all the spit, and then it's filling up in your mouth, and yep. you're like, oh god, oh, oh, oh. totally. I yeah. remember my mom being mad at me, and it's like, this is a physical reaction, exactly. mom. I'm not trying to piss you off. Right, your cooking sucks this bad. <laughs> I don't want to digest this. It can't uh, become poop on account of me. Like, I think that's the reaction that I would have in order to save my own life if I had to eat a person. Right. I really think that's the reaction I would have because just reading about these stories and kind of delving into it, um, because my mind has to wrap around the concept. Hmm. Additionally, there's often pictures involved. I, the, you know, the gag reflex is is on point. Yeah, eating people would be tough. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if it was if it was ground beef people. Oh, that's you know what I mean? Like if they ground, if they ground it up and they're like, you know, what's this meat? And you're like, I don't even know. Just try it. I don't know. Have you ever had ground turkey? Yeah. You know how it's off color and you're like, something's yeah. wrong with this. It is. It does. Yeah. That does throw it off right. a little bit. Now, they try they, really hard to make it look. Unless they threw a bunch of dye in there. It tastes good though. From what I understand, human meat is very similar to the texture of and taste of pork right. is what they I've say. I've heard that, yeah. Pork. Long pig is pork what people will call Pork is it a, yeah. considered a, a sweet, kind of on the sweeter side of meat. And it's mm. white. Ham. It's very mm. light colored. Mm. Maybe, maybe no for So that. you would know. You would know. Ground mm. human would be light colored, don't you think? Yeah, but, well, I don't know. I'm a, I don't know. It depends, maybe. Maybe there's a different variety of human all across the lands of different colored meats. For the kind of like cannibal, our chickens, kind of like our chickens, we have dark meat chickens. Yeah, and yeah, like they're bo- we have different colored bones in the I chickens. Know. Let's not make this about the chickens. Okay, let's get to, <laughs> let's get to our very first. I think I might have an obsession with chickens. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you'll have to check out the inside <laughs> fit and the inside <laughs> scooper. We have our chicken update every week. That's behind the paywall. You, you want to pay money? You can learn about our chickens. That's oh my a, gosh, that's one of the selling points that we have for our Patreon. All right, all right. Now pulling let's, it back in. Pulling it back, reeling it in. Goodness, this one's going to be relatively loose. If you guys haven't noticed mm-hmm. this week, because it is kind of more magazine style, right? But let's get right into our very first guy. He's kind of a gentle cannibal. Mm-hmm. So we've we've talked about the brutal ones, Albert Fish and Joachim Kroll. But Monique nicknamed this guy the gentle cannibal. So let's talk about Armin Mivies. Armin Mivies, he ate a motherfucker. <laughs> Armin Mivies is a German former computer repair technician who achieved international attention for killing and eating a voluntary victim in 2001, whom he found via the internet. It's wholesome internet fun. After Mivies and the victim jointly attempted to eat the victim's severed penis, ah. Mivies killed his victim and proceeded to eat a large amount of his flesh. Wait, he fed the penis to the, to yes. the guy whose penis it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. He was arrested. That's fucking weird. He, he was arrested in December of 2002. In January of 2004, huh. Mivies was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to eight years huh. and six months in prison. In a retrial in May of 2006, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. Because of his acts, 
Mybees is also known as the Rutenberg cannibal or the master butcher. Why not I the call dick him, eater? I call him the gentle cannibal. The gentle <clears throat> dick eater. <clears throat> Looking for a willing volunteer, Mybees posted an advertisement on the then active website, the Cannibal Cafe. Dear Internet, I hope this isn't creepy, but I'd like one of you to volunteer for me to eat you. Serious inquiries only. No weirdos. The Cannibal Cafe, a now defunct forum for people with a cannibalism fetish. Mm. Mybee's advertisement mm. stated that he was, quote, looking for a normally built 18 to 25 year old to be slaughtered and then consumed. I don't want this to sound weird or anything, but I'd like to be the one to kill and slaughter you. I promise not to jerk off on your corpse. Burned Jürgen Armando Brandes, a 43-year-old engineer from Berlin, answered the advertisement in March of 2001. Dear Creepy Meat Eater 6969, maybe it's the wine or the meth talking, but let's do this shit. Many other people responded to the advertisement, but then backed out. And Mivey stated that he did not want to attempt to force anyone to do anything against their will. Yikes. So he said, if you guys don't want to do it, that's fine. Uh, the two went, so basically, <clears throat> Brand, Brandy's drove out to his house to meet him. And uh, Imagine that meeting. Yeah, hey, thanks for coming. Yeah, nice place you got to... Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you doing this. Well, I mean, my life is terrible, so obviously that's why I'm here. Did you baste yourself in a bathtub of barbecue sauce like I asked? Yeah, about that. Imagine what's going through your head like, this guy's going to eat me. Like, well, well, what we, kind of small talk do you have when I you're going to be eaten that night? Yeah, weird weather we've been having lately. Yeah, there's been lots of the weather things. Now, some of the weather I've enjoyed. No, I do not enjoy weather. Well, we don't really need to imagine it because oh, the two you. made a videotape Fuckin when they met on March 9th of 2001 in Mivy's home in the small town of Wusterfeld. Mm. This videotape showed Mivy's amputating Brandis's penis with his agreement <laughs> um, and the two men attempting to eat it together. What the However, fuck? What are you going to eat first of me, man? Oh, I've always wanted to eat a dick. I've always wanted to have my dick in my mouth. I can do that for you. You're a real saint, you know that? I know. Before, eat your dick, bro. Before okay. doing so, Brandis had swallowed 20 sleeping pills and a bottle of cough syrup, uh, likely causing an effect of slowed breathing and extreme tiredness. Now, this is just a pieced together here for this script reason, but in learning about this, Mivies was worried that Brandy's would feel pain. Uh, he didn't want him to be uncomfortable. He gave Having him his dick cut off. Yeah. He basically gave him every opportunity to back out, saying, "Are you sure?" Like I'm literally about to cut the dick off. Are you sure? Oh yeah, this is a good party. Jesus. Are you comfortable with this? And Brandy's had the same. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> he had the same. Fuck um, that what's penis. It, uh, Eat it right there. Well, uh, the fantasy. Same fantasy. Basically, the same fantasy. Yes. They wanted to eat a penis. Well, yeah. I mean, he wanted somebody to eat his flesh. So that's why he answered the ad. Mivies was very concerned about the pain and the situation. He wanted to make him as comfortable as possible. And they filmed it partly. Well, Mivies said it was filmed no. because for legality. He wanted everyone who would see this to know that he did nothing wrong. <laughs> but part of the uh, prosecution in, in court said it was... Uh, like a, a sexual deviation. Well, this and is like assisted suicide too, right? Right. So, I mean, that's 
kind of doing something wrong. Was mm-hmm. he a doctor? No, he was not a doctor. Right. So, well, there's that too. So Brandy's initially insisted that Mivy's uh, attempted to bite his penis off. Yeah, this did not work, and ultimately Mivy's used a knife, and he removed Fucking it. Fucking Brandy's apparently tried to eat some of his own penis Bobby. raw, Bobby. but he couldn't. <laughs> It, he said Maximum capacity depravity reached It was too tough and as he put it Chewy Fucking <clears throat> So Mivy's then went in And he fried it in a pan With salt, pepper, wine and garlic And then he fried it With some of Brandy's fat But then it was too burnt to be consumed So I mean he way overcooked this Welcome back to Cooking Cocks with Kyle You're probably wondering What's the best wine that goes with cock A box wine you get it a box wine Fuck. Then he chopped it up into small chunks And then fed it to his dog Because neither of them could eat it I've got some bad news What is it I overcooked your cock. Yeah. According to court officials who saw the video, which has never been made public. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Brandy's may already have been too weakened from blood loss to eat any of his penis. Once it was <laughs> severed, he began bleeding out. Hey, bro. Want to yeah. taste some of your penis? <sighs> so my Fucking what? <laughs> Mivy's then ran Bandy, Brandy's a bath before going to off to read a Star Trek book. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. Captain's log, there are dicks being eaten everywhere. That's highly illogical, Captain. Yeah, I fucking noticed that too. Okay. Um, and he checked on him every 15 minutes for about three hours while he lay bleeding to death in the bathtub. Yikes. Brandy's continued to drift in and out of consciousness before finally collapsing, but he was still alive. With the knowledge that your dick's been overcooked and didn't taste good. After long hesitation and prayer. Prayer, huh? Dear Jesus, whoops. Mivy's killed Brandy's by stabbing him in the throat, after which he hung the body on a meat hook. Now, he actually, uh, in the court documents and stuff, he actually had a conversation with Brandy's. Brandy's was still alive, kind of conscious, and said, I'm so sorry, I don't want you to suffer any longer. It's been a very long time. I know we planned on just allowing you to go and drift. You're not drifting, Hmm. so I'm going to hurry it along because you're in a lot of pain. And I know I don't want you to feel this anymore. And Brandy said, okay. Mm. And he slit his throat. Damn fucking God. And the incident was Shit. the incident was recorded on a four-hour videotape, which has never been released to the public right. due to its gruesome contents. Right. Mivy's then dismembered and ate the corpse over the next 10 months, storing body parts in his freezer under pizza boxes and consuming up to 44 pounds of of human flesh. According to prosecutors, Mivy's committed the act for sexual pleasure because he videotaped it. So Mivy's was arrested in December 2002 when a college student alerted authorities to new advertisements for victims online. Dear Internet, that last guy I ate was fucking delicious. Let's do it again. BYOB, LOL. Investigators searched his home and found body parts and the videotape of the killing. Mivy's was diagnosed with a schizoid personality, but deemed fit to stand trial. Hmm. On January 30th of 2004, Mivy's was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to eight years and six months in prison. And the public was fucking outraged. It must have been the cutting the dick off, feeding it to him, overcooking it, and then giving it to the dog thing, maybe. The case attracted considerable media attention. When speaking to a German newspaper... 
Myvies admitted My bad. cannibalizing Brandy's and expressed regret for his actions. I he, shouldn't have fed him his dick. Right, that he, was probably wrong. Well, he added he Fuck. wants to write a biography with the aim of deterring anyone wanting to follow in his footsteps. I'm New York Times bestselling author Armin Myvies. Check out my book, Don't Overcook a Dick, My Story and Essays. Websites dedicated to Myvies started appearing after his 2002 arrest with people advertising for willing victims. Uh, uh, they should go for treatment, he said, so it doesn't escalate like it did with me. Well, he's right about that. While in prison, Myvies has since become a vegetarian. Mm. Welcome to Meat Eaters Anonymous. What brought you in, Chad? One time I pet a chicken and now it's my friend. Very good. What about you, Armin? I murdered and dismembered a guy oh. and then overcooked his dick. Oh. It tasted awful. I can't even look at a hot dog anymore. In April of 2005, a German court ordered a retrial after prosecutors appealed Myvie's sentence, arguing that he should have been convicted of murder. Yeah. Because he's killed for sexual gratification, a motive proved by his having videotaped the crime. The court ruled that the original trial had ignored the significance of the video in disproving the argument that Mybe's only killed because he had been asked to kill. At his retrial, a psychologist stated that Mybe's could reoffend as he still had fantasies about devouring the flesh of young people. Hmm. On the 10th of May in 2006, a court in Frankfurt convicted Myvies of murder and sentenced him to life imprisonment where he sits today. Well, shit. So. We gave him a score, too. Yeah, yes, we did. He's and not a serial killer, but neither was Joseph Fritzl. You understand now why I say he was the gentle cannibal. Yeah, but fucking still fucked up. Well, he ate somebody. He ate a di he fed the guy his own dick. The guy wanted to eat it. He Fucking asked him. Being a part of that. He wanted him to bite it off and Myvies is like, I can't. Uh, we have to cut it. I can't chew off your penis. I can't imagine that this is going to be our the, the episode that people make it through. They, they, we lost 50-60% through that part because I'm basically tapped out. <laughs> I'm like, that was hard. Well, to, this is the if only... If you have any empathy whatsoever, that was painful as fuck. I know, but... Uh, I'm not judging you if that was the only. You, but you know what I mean. This is the only story in this one. Mm. And the reason I threw this in here is because what I shared is all there is. Mm. Um, it's very interesting to me because he's a cannibal, um, but he's thoughtful, which is... And gentle right. and caring. And right. he obviously had empathy, which I don't know how he went through this. He has a version of, of empathy, I guess. Right. Well, um, feeding a guy his own dick, saying yes to that, like, oh, this is his last meal. It's not, your last meal shouldn't be your right. own dick. <laughs> well, hey, warden. What is it, officer? This guy has a pretty peculiar request for his last meal. What does he want? Deep fried possum assholes? No, he wants to eat his own dick. Now, just get him Arby's. The reason why I wanted to cover this is because Although this was such an anomaly. Out. Right. You know, it was, it was a very interesting uh, thing, you know, to me. So I wanted to throw it in, but there's no way I could do a whole episode on him. Right. Even if I went through his childhood, because he had a very normal regular yeah, childhood it was just this one episode yeah. of i mean he, his mom was overbearing i had me one of those okay but that was pretty much it there was Shit. like no abuse you know that i found anyways but this part of his life story probably the most interesting part probably the highlight right he might have been a great you know tele telemarketer or something mm -hmm. at some point he won, a, won an award spelling right. bee in junior high uh this is his top thing so I so, wanted I wanted to throw him in here because that's just basically wrapping up the end of our discussion of K 
cannibals for June of 2022. Yeah, they weren't all Albert <clears throat> Fish. They Mm-mm. weren't all Peter Bryans uh, or Catherine Knights. They were also Armin Mivies. Yes. Who we gave him a 1.8. Yeah. He, uh, we won't go through all the stuff. He did have a five in his, his list of five things. Uh, depravity was a five. He ate a human. Yeah. but He, he ate his penis. Well, he, w- he tried to eat his penis. Right. Well, yeah. He fed his dog his penis. And he tried mm. to feed the guy's penis his penis. Well, then he ate 40 pounds of his flesh, so. Yeah. Well, at least he was consistent. At least Imagine he, was, the, he hid it underneath the pizza boxes. Right. But he had to be thinking, he's like, okay, we went through a lot to get this meat. I'm not really a big fan. <laughs> I can't think of any more recipes that this I tastes know. good in. It's not as good as I thought it would be. Maybe he should look up Natalia Bakshivi's uh, recipe book for human meat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we haven't covered them yet, but we will way later. Yeah. I'm done with cannibalism for a while. But yeah, this, we are done. Way, way, way later. Wait till you hear what we're doing next week. It is not very dark at all. It is not. We'll get there, though. <clears throat> but we give him a 1.8. There was a 5 for depravity. Mm-hmm. But everything else was low. And he's not really officially part of our the people that we're covering, the mm-hmm. people that we're scoring. Right. But, uh, you know, he's... Just above Eileen Warnos as far as her with a 1.4 mm-hmm. and just below Ed Gein yeah. uh, with a 2.0. So that gives you some information. But now we're going to, God damn it, we're going to delve deeper into cannibalism, aren't we? Well, we're just, this isn't as... <laughs> You're killing me. It might Ugh. get a little bit we're gonna dark learn about there, But we're going to learn about it and we're going to learn about, you know, <laughs> just the basics. <laughs> just the basics. I'm interested though. I am. But, you know, I'm looking at hot dogs funny right now. Ugh. All right. On the other side of this, we're doing cannibalism. Is it legal? Let's learn about people that eat other people. Cannibalism has existed as a widespread custom in humanity for pretty much all of our known history. Also called anthropophagy, examples of cannibalism have been found on almost every continent in the world. The word cannibal comes from the Spanish name for the carib people of the Lesser Antilles who engaged in the practice. Cannibalism has been recorded in people in in Central and West Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, New Guinea, Polynesia, Sumatra, and also North and South America. So pretty much worldwide. The Mayo- Ger- recently Germany, like we just <laughs> talked about. The Maoris of New Zealand were known to eat the flesh of their enemies after a battle, and the Baytac people of Sumatra sold human flesh in their markets before Dutch colonization. Hmm. Cannibalism has also been recorded as part of religious rituals, witchcraft, or sorcery. Sorcery was often the motivation for ritualistic cannibalism in Africa, and the Aztecs of central Mexico were known to practice large-scale cannibalism during religious ceremonies involving the sacrifice of their defeated enemies. I think humans should probably bring that back. Anthropologists and historians have not been able to find a comprehensive rationalization for the practice of eating human flesh. I feel like it. In any case, reads the entry, the spread of modernization usually results in the prohibition of such practices, end quote. You'd think this would be a no-brainer, so cannibalism must be illegal in the United States, right? Mm. Well, the truth will probably surprise you. You mean it's mandatory in the United States, nice. There are tons of weird laws in the United States that really don't seem to make much sense. For example... Drug laws, Patriot Act, most of the laws. Silly String has been banned from all public spaces in Southington, Connecticut. Oh. 
There's a town in California where it's illegal to walk around in heels higher than two inches. Uh-huh. You have to sit down to drink alcohol in Woburn, Massachusetts. Dumb. And the poor reptiles of New Orleans also have to sit down to drink alcohol. Are prohibited from participating in any Mardi Gras activities. Oh, that is what? <laughs> I know. That is, mm. However, those are the In laws. the 21st century? I know, laws. That seems like absolutely speciesist. However, despite society's general revulsion to something as morbid and taboo as cannibalism, the act is not explicitly outlawed in the U.S. Mm. It's not. Uh, according to the Legal Information Institute at Cornell University, there is not one law on the books at the federal level in the United States that specifically prohibits the eating of another person. Federal government, Illuminati verified. But there are laws in most states, if not all, which make it illegal to, at least indirectly illegal, to obtain and consume human flesh. For example... Murder is illegal everywhere, Mm. so that prevents quite a lot of cannibals from getting dinner. (laughs) Even if a person gives another his or her consent to eat them and then commits suicide, the cannibal could still face criminal and or civil charges of desecration of a corpse, which varies among states. So while cannibalism is not technically illegal in the U.S., that doesn't mean it will come back into fashion anytime soon. It's hard to get a body in the United States still. Cannibalism was a central factor in the case that established in the common law that the necessity to survive is not a legal defense to committing murder. Oh, but I was famished. In 1884, English case Regina versus Dudley and Stevens found Thomas Dudley and Edwin Stevens guilty of murdering Richard Parker while they were castaways on the high seas. Marooned during a storm 1,600 miles from land, they drifted on a raft on the open ocean with no fresh water and very little food. All right, you guys, we just got to keep our heads. We don't have any food. We don't have any water. Yeah, we're totally fucked, guys. (laughs) As long as we stick together. And don't do anything crazy. Did you just look at my legs, then lick your lips? No, Richard, no. They had two one-pound cans of turnips. Sweet. And when those ran out, They caught a sea turtle, and then nothing else came along. Better watch your back, Dick. Remember when we had canned turnips? That was awesome. That turtle wasn't very good. I don't feel very good, guys. That's because we ate raw turtle. It was your idea to travel in the first place. Kiss my ass, Thomas. Guys, don't fight. Shut the fuck up, Dick. (laughs) In severe dehydration, Parker drank seawater to try and slake his thirst, but of course that didn't work. He became sick and lost consciousness. Uh Uh-oh. In desperation, Dudley killed Parker. And the others drank his blood and consumed his flesh in order to survive until they were rescued a week later. Well, we killed and ate Richard. And we drank his blood. Does that make us vampires? I don't fucking know. We probably shouldn't tell anybody about this. Not even for a book deal? They were found guilty despite their need Hmm. and sentenced to death. God damn it. But that was commuted to six months in prison. Hmm. Book deal. More recently... This is one we just discussed above. There was a German uh, case in Germany of a man who found a person on a cannibalism fetish website who consented to let him kill and eat him. And have him eat his mm-hmm. own dick. The man killed the willing victim, butchered him up, and saved his meat in the freezer for a special occasion, but he was arrested a few months later. Cannibalism wasn't illegal in Germany, but the man was convicted of manslaughter, then murder, during a retrial. So there's that. A guy with a hankering for long pig just can't catch a break. This is why there are no anti-cannibalism laws in the United States. Existing laws against murder and corpse desecration pretty much cover it. It's like for the Donner Party kind of thing. Yeah. So our concern is ultimately violence against each other's persons and our legal system reflects that concern. So 
The U.S. state laws against the desecration of corpses prohibit the consumption of already deceased human flesh. A cannibalism statute would really only apply to auto cannibals, which I thought that was kind of interesting. Eating yourself. Eating yourself, like Greg Foote. And consensual cannibals. Uh, Armin Mivies, right. who we just discussed. There's a couple of them in there. I overcooked a dick. The law wouldn't come up much. Most instances of human flesh eating involved murder. Right. Okay. So that is basic. That's the basic information. A little bit of history. Uh, we touch on a few instances. It's not illegal in the U.S. Right. We don't really have to worry about it because, as it as we see here... The Illuminati it, has it handled. There are other laws. They don't have to say you can't eat people. Because other laws cover it. They make it very hard to get a body. <clears throat> but it is interesting because I didn't realize how long cannibalism has been a thing. Seems like it'd be a thing forever. Hey, Donk, what is it, Grum? We should eat that guy we killed. Yeah, you're right. Right. But you get a little carried away in battle, and it's like, I gotta eat this well, fucker's heart. Or you get stuck somewhere. I mean, like, as uh, we just touched on a little bit yeah, ago, alive. Yeah, the, or oh, yeah, the Donner yeah. party. Yeah. You know, you find yourself in a situation where it's, you know... Um, so, Life and death. Yeah. I'm, but, eating, I'm eating Toby. Fuck you, Toby. Right. You but sacrificed your body for me. Thanks, Toby. For, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of years, humans were eating other humans after battle mm-hmm. uh, for spiritual reasons, to consume their power. I mean, there's all kinds for of lots reasons. Of, right. Know, weird superstitious right. ideas. And sure. so as, as awful as it sounds and as morbid and like, ugh, that we think of it as, it's been going on a long time. Pretty much the whole time, I think. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. Right. And it's probably going on under our nose. Did you, did, when you were doing the research, did you find uh, any of those those underground restaurant type I things? I did. did. I did. The, the challenge is, I don't know if they're actually I know. real. They feel like trolley. When I looked into it yeah. for Time Suck, mm-hmm. there was one that was pretty, it, it was well done. Right. But it was trolling. Right. Oh, and, exactly. But it, it was so interesting to see just somebody think about it right to putting a menu together mm-hmm. uh and, and how would they would get the food but i think i think we did find one because it isn't illegal Mm-mm. as long as they're donated but imagine the process of receiving the donated bodies i mm-hmm. think that's where the law comes right in, where they're like uh, no. yeah the uh, whatever the fda um yeah it, uh, yeah but imagine being the health department right, that's what, health it's department. the health department but imagine being the chef that's like yeah i'm good at that shit yeah it says here on your resume that you're an expert at cutting people up and serving human body parts as food yeah it took me a long time to get good at it uh, sir this is a wendy's right it's like whoa where did you learn where? your skills exactly <laughs> exactly well there is actually She's a michelin star actually of human food making fuck i came across one restaurant i think it was in china or japan where it was a supposed cannibalism uh, restaurant where it served human meat but it didn't it served regular meat shaped like a human right yeah they but, made it look like a human right. but it wasn't a human that's, so yeah that, that's fun it's still weird you know I've, I've been to a couple of Illuminati parties where they eat uh, <laughs> you know food off of people <laughs> just kidding I've never been to those. so in in the process I'm glad you brought that up because in the process of research for this particular episode I went down so many rabbit holes right. that took me in so many different directions that this script actually this whole topic that we're talking about today changed several times fractured into many pieces <clears throat> it yeah. did it did and i had there's so many things i wanted to talk about 
um, and share that I found fascinating, but I had to figure out how to tie it all together because it does, but I don't want to put out a five or six hour podcast. So I had to be able to wrap it up in, uh, you know, the amount of time that we give ourselves here. And so I started off with cannibalism because that was our focus this month and and barbecues and, and the cannibalism that I've covered in the past basically was a result of mental illness. It was a a side effect or, um, you know, because the individual was mentally ill. Mm -hmm. That's why they were eating people. And I came to Myvies and he might have a personality disorder. Maybe he is a bit mentally ill, but he didn't, in his story, he didn't seem to be very mentally ill at all except for the fact that he even cared whether the guy felt pain so there was a this was an interesting crossover subject what was his first time like dealing with the body and right that's that what a weird that scenario you had to bring that back again well the reason why he fixed it's almost like healed now i'm broken again it's almost like he fixed himself you know he's like i would suggest nobody do it right yeah no shit i'm gonna write a book about why all the reasons why you should not do what i did he fixed himself he's like this worked for me to get over this but don't try it yourself right right hey best-selling author of don't overcook a dick here armin myvies with my brand new book dicks ain't for cooking a poor man's guide for not cooking dicks so but so now we're gonna go leading into the adrenochrome world yes yes because that's what you rabbit hold into mm-hmm. all right on the other side of this bullshit it's adrenochrome is there any truth to those rich cunts doing adrenochrome if you've spent five minutes on the internet in the last four years, you've come across adrenochrome. Right. Somewhere along the way, it's come up. And I found myself going, well, what is it? What is it really? Mm-hmm. So I looked into it. I'm so curious it, now. You've, you've got some information for us right, instead it's of kind speculation. Of, okay. Exactly. So adrenochrome is a actual chemical compound produced by the oxidization, oxidation sorry, of adrenaline. Um, It was the subject of limited research in the 1950s through the 1970s as a potential cause for schizophrenia. Hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. It is, yeah. So we're actually going to go through a little bit of history and digging, going backwards and finding out where it came from. Okay. Um, so it took me pretty far. The Dark Ages, all the oh, way back to the, the all the way back. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. And it wasn't really known as it did. It didn't have the title Adrenochrome. Yeah, it that's was, pretty new, right? It was, yeah, it was the concept. So, and in the Dark Ages, uh, they were rife with plague and fanaticism. Shit was fucked. Right. And actually the accusations that Jews secretly fed off the blood of children. Okay. Right? So that's where it started with, was the well, Jews were eating babies. Yeah, well, they secretly fed off children's yeah. blood, which you'll see, we're going to pull it all together. Okay. In 2020, we too are beset with plague, rampant <laughs> medical misinformation, and a persistent rumor that global elites torture children to harvest the chemical adrenochrome from their blood, which they then inject in order to stay healthy and young. I think that's just what humans have done forever, it sounds like. We believe that the elites are capable of horseshit. Right. And we refuse to not believe that. Right. (laughs) Adrenochrome harvesting long predates conspiracy theory groups and has resurfaced during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Google Trends shows significant spikes in searches for adrenochrome in March and June of 2020. Now that everybody's home, I think we should figure out if the elites are drinking babies' bloods again. I am basically Batman. Fucking 
we were bored. <laughs> we're like, let's make up some shit. Let's let's bring back, you know, some old school tropes. It's prevalent on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Hmm. Social media has been an amazing tool to bring together friends and family, as well as allow for a smaller world atmosphere for us all. I like it. It's become a wonderful tool for porn, for collaboration, simplified research, porn. and open the world of a home-based business to everyone. Porn. It's been a wonderful opportunity for all of us. However, social media has also opened the can of worms when it comes to misinformation spreading at the speed of light. And that's what adrenochrome basically yeah. has been. In turn, toxic social attitudes spread virally alongside hoaxes and misinformation. We all know what that's about. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all watched it happen over the past couple of years. Right. It's been linked to a certain group, a political group. They kind of One way that. or another. But it's weird because it's really about elites in general and it always has been. Adrenochrome harvesting isn't outwardly blamed on juice. But it started there. But on satanic and globalist elites. Which is just doing the same thing to a lot of the same people. Right. Uh, the modern adrenochrome obsession is a variation of blood libel. Now, I'm not sure if you are familiar with that. This is a, this is an old thing. So mm. it's the accusation that Jewish people use the blood of Christians in religious rituals, especially in the preparation of Passover bread that was perpetrated throughout the Middle Ages and sporadically until the early 20th century. The Jewish religion was uh, predates Christianity. I can't imagine them being like, you know what? We should adopt this new thing with this religion that we right. don't really see as a real true religion. Well, you know. Uh, eat their blood in our rituals for our God. The most effective conspiracy theories are built around bits of truth. So you're saying the Jews do eat Christian babies. Adrenochrome is a compound that occurs in the body. But little scientific research has been done beyond a few studies in the mid-20th century on whether it could play a role in schizophrenia. The question transfixed the writers Aldous Huxley and Hunter S. Thompson, who were obsessed with mind-altering substances. To them, adrenochrome became a psychotropic akin to mescaline. In his book, Doors of Perception, written just after the first adrenochrome studies, Huxley described adrenochrome as a clue that was being systematically followed. Hmm. The sleuths, biochemists, psychiatrists, like psychologists are all on the trail. Hmm. Biologists didn't find much of an interest, though. Biologists wanted them to get the fuck off their lawn. Nearly 20 years later, Thompson, Hunter S. Thompson, cast adrenochrome as a psychedelic that must be violently extracted from human glands in his novel, hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So he read Doors of Perception, yeah. put that shit in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes. And now, now it's in the world. Yep. So the scene that was immortalized in the film, 1998 film, was Johnny Depp's character taking adrenochrome, which to date has more than 1.7 million views, has drawn thousands of comments referencing this conspiracy. It's part of human tradition to think the elites are cunts. In 2016, the same video was shared in a Pizzagate thread about the artist Marina Abramovich and her spirit cooking ceremonies. The next several months saw increasingly outlandish claims online, including the Pixar film Monsters, Inc. as a cryptic reference to adrenochrome harvesting. I think we all noticed that shit. As some Pizzagate followers in 2017 brought the adrenochrome conspiracy with them to the QAnon community. Hmm. Okay, these factions expanded their audience in 2018, citing new investigations and circulating the rumor that a website sold adrenochrome in exchange for cryptocurrency, 
which was found to be a total hoax. Filmmaker Jay Myers released a video called Adrenochrome the Elite's Secret Super Drug. (laughs) While the original video was taken down, it remains live on his backup channel and has been uploaded elsewhere online. You cannot stop the signal. In February of 2019, InfoWars featured a segment on Adrenochrome, linking it to the Clinton Foundation via EpiPen manufacturers and the highly controversial young blood transfusion startup ambrosia which we will cover in a bit okay a month later adrenochrome documentaries began to emerge on youtube followed by many smaller copycat publications helping form a searchable foundation for the current day conspiracy clickbait the recent surge in interest can be traced to march of 2020 and the effects of the covid19 pandemic Celebrities posting photos of themselves stuck at home and looking less than camera ready were attacked on social media with the accusations that they were suffering from adrenochrome withdrawal. (laughs) (laughs) In their logic, shutdowns had stalled the adrenochrome child trafficking supply chain. Mm -hmm. That's what they were saying. Makes sense. By commenting on these posts, believers spread the adrenochrome hashtag to new eyes all the while harassing their targets. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. If, if you're a celebrity, it's best not to be on the internet <clears throat> right. at a certain level, I'm sure. So despite the increased visibility, conspiracy outlets accused major social media platforms and media of plotting to suppress the truth about adrenochrome. There were people out there that just, we want the truth, let the truth out. Uh, Some of you might be too emotionally immature for the truth. Uh. Adrenochrome conversation continued and intensified on social media from claims of Lady Gaga was participating in blood rituals for adrenochrome fix Mm -hmm. to the COVID-19 spiked adrenochrome theory. It's more of a hypothesis now going through the peer review process. Which was weird. I don't know. Did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. That basically adrenochrome was spiked with COVID-19. Fell on his face. But yeah, I know. There's, Des- a, there's a designer conspiracy theory for everything. I love yes, it. Yes, there is. Despite claims of censorship, Google trend results showed that spamming celebrities' pages with mentions of adrenochrome was working, leading to a spike in search traffic and social media conversation. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Stay with me. I feel it. So we have a conspiracy. About people eating. Gone viral. How does this happen? Dumb cunts with the internet. I, I've wondered that a few times. Like, what the fuck? It's dumb cunts. How is it people are actually, like, buying into this stuff? And I'm right. not just talking about just this. I'm saying other things. It's like, how, did, want this, to. how did it catch fire and, and go ablaze so quick? We're all dumb cunts. Partly we, we want to believe. <laughs> I think people that we disagree with or people that we feel have more than we do, you mm-hmm. know, for whatever reason, maybe jealousy or fucking maybe injustice. Maybe. We imagine... Not in good faith that they live. Uh, so they, we, we imagine they're capable of terrible things. Mm-hmm. And I think we just kind of feed off of that and we tell each other that and we make jokes about it and it right. becomes part of culture. And Well, unpopular ideas and small disinformation campaigns often go unreported. Uh, they're, they're buried, you know, and a lot of people may start just by laughing at it and going, ha ha, that's funny. They, they're either unseen or ignored by platforms and mainstream press. But the longer a bad idea goes undetected and unaddressed, untalked about, the, the, more, more, the more likely it is to spread and develop social importance. I.e. flat earth. This has assisted in the development of the adrenochrome harvesting theory. Mm-hmm. 
This is all possible because of how social media and search engines work. As a result of the relative unimportance of adrenochrome, it doesn't get written about much by scientists, journalists, or academics. This creates what's called a data void, a vacuum of trustworthy information unpopulated by widespread media sources. Right. Okay. When, I, when I worked for Time Suck, I would do certain subjects. Mm-hmm. And you would find lots of scholarly works mm-hmm. on the Civil War and all sorts of things. And you'd have to go through, oh, wow, these are there's so many of these. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at Denver Airport conspiracy oh, theories, yeah. you find yourself on very interesting websites. Well, the reason I wrote about this is because I got lost in this sea of what the fuck right. while I was trying to just do... I mean, it was all over the place. There's and all- it fucked with my head because I'm like, oh, 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 mm-hmm. I could do, ooh, ooh, look, a bird. And it was very difficult to stay on task with it. my fuck research. Yeah. Made me feel dumber after looking into it. Within a data void, search algorithms surface what's available rather than what is well-curated, local, timely, and relevant content. Oh, you want dumb things? Here's more dumb things. So it's what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the perfect condition for a viral infection of bad information. Yeah, big time. Today, a Google search for adrenochrome prompts a knowledge panel an automatically generated information box sourced from Wikipedia with a description of the compound and some scholarly research. However, the edit history of that Wikipedia article reveals that in the last few months, editors have constantly been removing attempts to add bad information. Wikipedia's in on the conspiracy, bro. On Google Images, viewers are faced with an onslaught of infographics about missing children, doctored images of celebrities and politicians, and instructions for how to find further troves of evidence. AKA not evidence. Pizzagate, QAnon, and other online conspiracy communities encourage newcomers to Google an obscure phrase designed to lead them down a rabbit hole. Dumb rabbit. This takes them to obscure, unscrupulous, debunked often publications or reports as well as carefully curated collections of long ass PDFs. Right. Have you been there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I was there. Rabbit holes on the internet can be just you pull your hair out eventually. (laughs) Elements of real science are merged with unsubstantiated claims resulting in troves of documentation hard to find in the mainstream search engines. These are foundations of sustaining the viral nature of otherwise baseless ideas. Whittled down to memes and viral slogans, the new conspiracies spread effortlessly across platforms via hashtags and comments. The popularity of adrenochrome harvesting theories shows how motivated actors remain two steps ahead of intervention and how our information systems, if left unchecked, may accelerate the arrival of a new dark age. Oh, goody. And we're watching this happen. Perhaps. If you find yourself in an echo chamber on the internet, you can fuck your life hard. Right. And because we are the way we are, we will find our tribes, regardless Mm -hmm. of reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Hooray. Well, from here, I'm going to move on to what they call young blood because it's directly related to adrenochrome. Do Our society is obsessed with being young. No matter where you look, you've got anti-aging supplements, fasting diets, wrinkle creams, facelifts, laser treatments, Botox, and the latest weapon in the fight against aging is... Dragon sperm. Young blood. Young blood. The idea is simple. You inject aging people with blood from young people. May sound crazy, but it's actually happening. Hmm. It, the idea stems from what's called parabiosis. Oh, yeah, that's stuff. Parabiosis uh, is the procedure of joining two animals so that they share each other's blood circulation. You. 
and it's revitalized the concept of blood as a putative drug. Oh, that stuff. So the idea that young blood might help reduce the signs of aging isn't totally out of left field. Okay. All right. So a well, lot. Keith Richards used to do that. <laughs> I think he used to find himself a young Scottish child. Keith, it's time to go back on two then. And bring me a blood of a child. And... It'd be a Welsh boy. A lot of research comes from parabiosis studies. Oh, yeah, that's true. In 1956, researchers paired old rats with young ones to study aging, and it was pretty messy to say the least. Some of the rats pairing didn't get along, and they ended up cannibalizing each other. Some pairs just randomly died, but those that did survive, researchers did find some anti-aging benefits. Now, parabiosis. Um, I have a whole thing here that I'm not going to read because it's confusing. <laughs> essentially, thank you. <laughs> essentially, what they did was they took two mice or two rats and they sewed them together. Oh, good. Okay, so they sewed us together, eh? Yep. And I still think they think they're the good guys, eh? Oh, yeah. So they, they attached them to each other huh? surgically. Yeah. So they were sharing blood supply and they would take an older rat and a younger rat or older and younger mouse and so that's where the research came in well that's not creepy at all basically the bone density of the old rats started matching the bone densities of the young ones okay so parabiosis yeah the parabiosis studies have come a long way since then both in terms of technique and what we know about blood and aging Studies in the 70s showed that older mice paired with younger mice ended up living longer than the controlled groups I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Now, if we fast forward to the 2000s, there are some parabiosis studies that have shown the blood that blood from young mice improves liver and muscle cells in aging mice. Hmm. Hey, man, I feel fucking great. How you doing? Uh, oh, shit, you better get better or I'm going to eat you. Eh? It also restored damaged spinal cords, formed new neurons in the brain, and reversed the thickening of heart walls. So all this indicates that young blood does have some anti-aging benefits in mice, though. Now, despite what some headlines might claim we still really don't know if these benefits translate to humans but there definitely are some people that have sewn young mice onto themselves so begins the human trials right that's what i'm saying researchers found that plasma alone from young mice has shown anti-aging benefits for the brain like better memory and learning and in the event you're unaware plasma is the clear liquid part of the blood that contains things like water proteins enzymes and antibodies okay so this means that we can do human trials without having to sew two humans together so that's fucking good that is good that is positive frank steve i've got some good news and some bad news what is it now give us the good news the field of science that we're all working on together? Yeah. yeah. We are making advancements left and right. That's great. What's the bad news? Well, I haven't been keeping up on the literature and I probably shouldn't have sewn you guys together. Oh, fuck. Yeah, but we just use plasma. Uh, we just transfer the plasma. A process that research- researchers have been doing for a while to treat things like liver failure, severe burns, and major infections. And now we're starting to see these anti-aging trials being offered to the public, but for a price. Everybody wants to live forever. For a fee of $8,000, a company called Ambrosia, Mm, we just talked about them, which is based in Monterey, California, ran clinical trials that involved infusing people over the age of 35 with blood plasma from people 25 and younger. Creepy. A startup company, Ambrosia, had been selling young blood transfusions for $8,000 since 2016 under the guise of running a clinical trial to see if such transfusions led to changes in the blood of recipients. As of August 2017, they had 600 people join Hmm. at $8,000 a head. 
That's a hefty font. That's that's some money. Yeah. So the clinical trial had no control arm, so it was neither randomized nor blind. Mm. So how it worked was whole blood collected by blood banks that had passed its 42-day storage limit was then centrifuged to remove cells, and the resulting cell-free plasma collected from several donations was intravenously transfused into recipients. Sheesh. The company was started by Jesse Carmazin, a medical school graduate without a license to practice medicine. Oh, good for him. David Wright is a licensed doctor overseeing the clinical trial. In his practice, he administered intravenous treatments of vitamins and antibiotics for non-traditional purposes and was eventually disciplined by the California Medical Board for doing so in 2015. Mm. Jonathan Kibbelman, a bioethicist from McGill University, suggested when asked that Ambrosia was running this as a trial as they would be unable to get FDA approval to sell this treatment otherwise. It sounds like something out of a Batman comic. I see you found me, Batman. Yeah, you named your company Ambrosia. That sounds pretty supervillain. I knew we should have gone with Adrena Corp. That's pretty bad, too. Child Murder Incorporated? Yeah. But at $8,000 a pop, seems to me they were charging they already. Were ma- they were making yeah. some money, yeah. But on February 19th, 2019, Ambrosia announced it had stopped testing the treatment, responding to concerns from the FDA. All right, so they made like $5 million. Yeah. So where did, essentially, where did, we're going to tie this together here. So there's some interesting things. In, 19, in his 1954 book, The Doors of Perception, Aldous Huxley mentioned the discovery of the alleged effects of adrenochrome, which he likened to the symptoms of mescaline intoxication, although he had never consumed it. Mm-hmm. Anthony Burgess mentions adrenochrome as denchrom at the beginning of his 1962 novel, A Clockwork Orange. The protagonist and his friends are drinking drug-laced milk. They had no license for selling liquor, and there was no law yet against prodding some of the new vichys, which they used to put into the old molico so you could peat it with valaset or whatever. It's it's a quote. No from idea that. what those I words know. mean. But essentially... With the bliggity and the higgum, and then you get that schmiggity in there, and you know what got, I'm saying. We've got two books now. Two books that have uh, brought up adrenochrome. Right. Hunter S. Very, Thompson. Very important books, too. Hunter S. Thompson mentioned adrenochrome in his 1971 book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. This is likely the origin of current myths surrounding this compound because mm. the character states there's only one source for this stuff. This is a quote. The adrenaline glands from a living human body. It's no good if you get it out of a corpse. The adrenochrome scene also appears in the novel's film adaptation. In the DVD commentary, director Terry Gilliam Monty Python. admits that he and Thompson's portrayal is a fictional exaggeration. Illuminati would say some shit like that. Gilliam insists that the drug is entirely fictional and seems unaware of the existence of a substance with the same name. Oh, I don't know. Hunter S. Thompson also mentions adrenochrome in his book Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, 1972. In the footnotes in chapter April, page 140, he says, It was sometime after midnight in a ratty hotel room, and my memory of the conversation is hazy due to massive ingestion of booze, fat back, and 40 C's of adrenochrome. That guy took a lot of drugs. <laughs> Seriously, here was his daily regiment, according to himself. 3 p.m., rise. 3.05, Shavas Regal with the morning papers, Dunhill cigarettes. 3.45, cocaine. 3.50, another glass of Shavas, Dunhill cigarette. 4.05, first cup of coffee, then a cigarette. 4.15, cocaine. 
416, orange juice, then a cigarette. 430, cocaine. 454, cocaine. 405, cocaine. 411, coffee, cigarettes. 530, more drinking. 545, more cocaine. 6 o'clock, weed. Take the edge off the day. 705, Woody Creek Tavern for lunch. He'd have a Heineken, two margaritas, a coleslaw, a taco salad, a double order of fried onion rings, carrot cake, ice cream, a bean fritter, cigarettes, another Heineken, cocaine, and for the ride home, a snow cone, in which he would put a glass of shredded ice over what was basically five glasses of booze. Nine o'clock, he starts snorting cocaine seriously. Ten o'clock, drops acid. Eleven o'clock, chartreuse, cocaine, weed. Eleven thirty, cocaine, then more and more cocaine. Twelve o'clock, midnight. Hunter S. Thompson is ready to write. Twelve oh five to six a.m. He writes. And alongside of him was his trusty chartreuse, cocaine, weed, alcohol, coffee, Heineken's, clove cigarettes, grapefruit, more Dunhills, orange juice, gin, continuous pornographic movies, he says, the hot tub, and uh, Dove candy bars. Then a fettuccine Alfredo at 8 o'clock and to bed at 8.20. And that was the self-proclaimed day in the life of the guy that invented the popular idea of adrenochrome. Sorry about that. Back to the thing you were saying. Adrenochrome is a compound of several conspiracy theories such as QAnon and Pizzagate, with the chemical helping the theories play a similar role to earlier blood libel and satanic ritual abuse stories. It all kind of comes together. According to QAnon, it has incorporated and expanded Pizzagate's claims about child sex abuse rings, a cabal of Satanists that rapes and murders children, using the adrenochrome they quote-unquote harvest from their victim's blood as a drug or as an elixir of youth. I also learned that, that they like, the it's in the adrenal glands and they, they scare the child. Yeah. That's part of the rituals, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like how if an animal is depressed or something, mm-hmm. the meat doesn't taste as good. That's one of the... Right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you have And that to, kind of follows a little bit with what, you right. know, so... Yeah, like, it's kind of interesting. Illuminati confirmed. So here we're going to actually tie this together with some satanic panic. We're going back into the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's do it. Adrenochrome is today's satanic panic. That's stupid. The satanic panic is a moral panic consisting of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse, or SRA, sometimes known as ritual abuse, ritualistic abuse, organized abuse, or sadistic ritual abuse. So those are those, all those terms are kind of interchangeable. Right. Starting in the United States in the 1980s, spreading throughout many parts of the world by the late 1990s and persisting today. The panic originated in 1980 with the publication of Michelle Remembers, a book co-written by Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Pazder and his patient and future wife, Michelle Smith, which used the sense-discredited practice of recovered memory therapy to make sweeping claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Smith. The allegations, which afterward arose through much of the United States, involved reports of physical and sexual abuse of people in the context of occult or satanic rituals. In its most extreme form, Allegations involve a conspiracy of a global satanic cult that include the wealthy and powerful world elite. There there they are again. They're always there. In which children are abducted or bred for sacrifice, pornography, and prostitution. An allegation that returned to prominence in the form of QAnon. And history repeats itself again. Nearly every aspect of the ritual abuse is controversial, including its definition, the source of the allegations and proof, testimonies of alleged victims and court cases involving the allegations and criminal investigations. 
The panic affected lawyers, therapists, and social workers who handled allegations of child sexual abuse. Allegations initially brought together widely dissimilar groups, including religious fundamentalists, police investigators, child advocates, therapists, and clients in psychotherapy. The term satanic abuse was more common early on. This later became satanic ritual abuse and further secularized into simply ritual abuse. Over time, the accusations became more closely associated with dissociative identity disorder, which was then called multiple personality disorder, and anti-government conspiracy theories. Initial interest arose from the publicity campaign for Pazder's 1980 book, Michelle Remembers, and it was sustained and popularized throughout the decade by coverage of the McMartin preschool trial. Hmm. Now, I looked into that. I'm not covering it here. I'm not sure if you or our listeners are familiar with it. Mm -mm. It is very interesting. Testimonials, symptom lists, rumors, and techniques to investigate or uncover memories of SRA were disseminated through professional, popular, and religious conferences, as well as through talk shows, sustaining and further spreading the moral panic throughout the United States and beyond. In some cases, allegations resulted in criminal trials with varying results, after seven years in court, the McMartin trial resulted in no convictions for any of the accused, mm. while other cases resulted in lengthy sentences, some of which were later reversed. Scholarly interest in the topic slowly grew, eventually resulting in the conclusion that the phenomenon was a moral panic, which, as one researcher put in 2017, quote, involved hundreds of accusations that devil-worshipping pedophiles were operating America's middle white-class suburban daycare centers. Why, it must be true then. Of the more than 12,000 documented accusations nationwide, investigating police were not able to substantiate any allegations of organized cult not abuse. Not one. Not one. But they could be in on it, wife. <laughs> They're a part of the not Illuminati. Not one. Mm. And that brings us to essentially what's the, the, the subject matter that is going to tie this all together. Okay. Okay? And that is mass hysteria and mob mentality. So let's talk about it. When more than a few of us get together, we share our dumb as fuck. Let's talk mass hysteria, eh? Herd mentality, mob mentality, or pack mentality describes how people can be influenced by their peers to adopt certain behaviors on a largely emotional rather than rational basis. When individuals are affected by mob mentality, they may make different decisions than they would have individually. Oh, fuck yeah. The idea of a group mind or mob behavior was first presented by 19th century social psychologists Gabriel Tarde and Gustav Le Bon. Herd behavior in human societies has also been studied by Sigmund Freud and Wilfred Trotter, whose book Instincts of the Herd in Peace and War is a classic in the field of social psychology. Sociologist and economist Thorstein Veblen's The Theory of the Leisure Class illustrates how individuals imitate other group members of higher social status in their consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. More recently, Malcolm Gladwell in The Tipping Point examines how cultural, social, and economic factors converge to create trends in consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. In 2004, the New Yorker's financial columnist James Sawicki, Sorowiki, I can't pronounce his last name, forgive me, published The Wisdom of Crowds. Which I'm willing to bet is very low. 21st century academic fields such as marketing and behavioral finance attempt to identify and predict the rational 
and irrational behavior of investors. Driven by emotional reactions such as greed and fear, investors can be seen to join in frantic purchasing and sales of stocks, creating bubbles and crashes. As a result, herd behavior is closely studied by behavioral finance experts in order to help predict future economic crises. Well, good luck with that. The Ash Conformity Experiments in 1951 involved a series of studies directed by psychologist Solomon Ash that measured the effects of majority group belief and opinions on individuals. This gets crazy. 50 male students from Swarthmore College participated in a vision test with a line judgment task. So when you look at this, there's lines on a page. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're supposed to find out which one's different. Right. A naive participant was put in a room with seven actors who had agreed in advance to match their responses. Being dicks, but for science. The participant was not aware of this, and the actors purposely gave the wrong answer on 12 trials. Oh, what a cunty test. The other participant usually went with the group and said the wrong answer. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I've seen studies like that before, too. Through 18 trials total... Ash found that one-third of the naive participants conformed with the clearly incorrect majority, with 75% of participants over the 12 trials. What would you do, listener? Fewer than 1% of participants, fewer than 1% of participants gave the wrong answer when there were no actors. Damn it, we suck. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Researchers at Leed University performed a group experiment in which volunteers were told to randomly walk around a large hall without talking to each other. Science is mean. A select few were then given more detailed instructions on where to walk. Right the fuck up to a church because you need Jesus. The scientists discovered that people end up blindly following one or two instructed people who appear to know where they're going. Beautiful. The results of this experiment show that it only takes 5% of confident-looking and instructed people to influence the direction of the other 95% Hmm. in the crowd. And the 200 volunteers did this without even realizing it. That's probably the same as how birds fly and shit. Right, right. We're little flocks of human mass. So researchers from Hebrew University, New York University, and MIT explored herd mentality in online spaces, specifically in the context of digitized aggregated opinions. Online comments were given an initial positive or negative vote, up or down, on an undisclosed website for over five months. The control group comments were left alone. The researchers found that the first person reading the comment was 32% more likely to upvote it if it had already been given a fake positive score. Ah, we suck. Over the next five months, comments artificially rated positively showed a 25% higher average score than the control group, Uh with the initial negative vote ending up with no statistical significance in comparison to the control group. The research found that prior ratings created significant bias in individual rating behavior, and positive and negative social influences created asymmetric hurting effects. Everything we know is a lie. Right? That's a significant change, Dr. Aral, one of the researchers involved in this experiment, stated, quote, We saw how these very small signals of social influence snowballed into behaviors like hurting. (laughs) Very, very interesting. Now, this leads us into the next topic, which is directly tied into herd mentality, and it's called de-individuation. Okay, that word is in here a lot. 
and I'm just going to call it DI. DI. So when I say DI, you know it. I'm referring to this word. Okay. I don't want to say it over and over again. <laughs> right. We'll be sitting here for five hours because I'll trip every time. <laughs> okay. DI is a concept in social psychology that is generally thought of as the loss of self-awareness in groups, although this is a matter of contention. Theories of DI propose that it is a psychological state of decreased self-evaluation and decreased evaluation apprehension, causing abnormal and uninhibited behavior. Nice, you get stupider. Yeah. DI theory seeks to provide an explanation for a variety of abnormal collective behavior, such as violent crowds, lynch mobs, etc. DI theory has also been applied to genocide and has been considered as a potential explanation for abnormal behavior online. Although generally analyzed in the context of negative behaviors such as mob violence and genocide, DI has also been found to play a role in positive behaviors and experiences. Yeah, I bet. There still exists some variation as to understanding the role of DI in producing abnormal behaviors as well as understanding how contextual clues affect the rules of the DI construct. In in contemporary social psychology, DI refers to a diminishing of one's sense of individuality that occurs with behavior generally askew from personal or social standards of conduct. For example, someone who is an anonymous member of a mob will be more likely to act violently towards a police officer than a known individual. In one sense, a DI state may be considered appealing if someone wants to feel free to behave impulsively without mind to potential consequences. However, DI has also been linked to violent and antisocial behavior. Right. Hey, you guys want to go rape and pillage? Um, that's immoral. Let's kill that guy and then go rape and pillage. DI is the perceived loss of individuality and personal responsibility that can occur when someone participates as part of a group. It can cause a person to be more likely to donate a large amount of money to charity, Mm -hmm. but also cause them to be more likely to engage in mob violence. Well, shit. There are many instances in which the effects of DI can be seen in real world instances. Mm -hmm. DI can occur in as varied instances as in the police force, the military, the internet, sports teams, gangs, cults, and social organizations. We all suck. Although they may seem very different on the surface, these groups share many traits They're people and we suck. that make them conducive to and even contingent on DI. Being susceptible to sucking. All the examples share the strong drive towards group cohesiveness. Police officers, soldiers, and sports teams all wear uniforms that create a distinct in-group look while eliminating the individual differences of personal style. Men in the military are often required to shave their heads in order to better unify their appearance. God just shaved my head because he's a dick. Although gangs, cults, and fraternities and sororities do not require the same degree of physical uniformity, they also display this tendency towards unifying the exterior in order to unify their group. For example... Gangs may have a symbol that they tattoo on their bodies in order to identify themselves as part of the in-group of their gang. Members of fraternities and sororities often wear clothing marked with their letters so that they can quickly be identified as part of their specific group. By reducing individual differences, these various groups become more cohesive. The cohesiveness of a group can make its members lose their sense of self in the overwhelming identity of the group. 
and that therein lies a bit of danger depending on which direction it goes. For example, a young man in the military might identify himself through a variety of individual constructs. However, while he's in uniform with a shaved head and dog tags around his neck, he might suddenly only identify himself as a soldier. Right. Likewise, a girl wearing the letters of her sorority on her shirt and standing in a crowd of her sisters may feel less like herself and more like Tridelt. Alpha Omega Kega here. Physically normalized to the standards of their respective groups, these various group members are all at risk to feel de-individualized. They may, may begin to think of themselves as a mere part of the group and lose the awareness that they are an individual with the capacity to think and act completely separately from their group. Uh, you're not allowed to lay there, black sheep. We are well, I am. But the pig said not to lay there. Yeah. Well, why can't I lay here? You're just not supposed to. Yeah, it's for the greater good. Yeah, the greater good. Greater good. Everything becomes about the greater yeah. good. They could do things they may not usually do out of shyness, individual morality, self-consciousness, or other factors. Due to reduced feelings of accountability and increased feelings of group cohesion and conformity, these group members could act in a ma- manner of abnormal ways. Because we saw DI often occurs without face-to-face interaction and is a prevalent feature of the internet. It is the memes that bind us. The loosening of normal constraints on behavior caused by DI thrives within online environments oh, yeah. and contributes to cyberbullying behavior. We're huge cats. Furthermore, DI online has been thought to be responsible for a widespread willingness to illegally download software. One researcher tested the hypotheses that persons who prefer the anonymity and pseudo-anonymity associated with interaction on the internet are more likely to actually pirate software. No, uh uh-uh. But found that neither anonymity nor pseudo-anonymity predicted self-reported software piracy. From buying drinks for an entire bar of strangers to committing violence as dire as murder or rape, de-individuation can lead to a variety of people to act in ways they may have thought impossible Mm -hmm. and hence can be extremely dangerous and we're watching this happen every day the 20th century was a great example Mm -hmm. of that and i think that a lot of the the thinkers of the time knew that people were that way Mm -hmm. i really think that that's been known Mm -hmm. throughout church leaders and and different governments throughout all of history they've all recognized human well, we're seeing all of these patterns we're seeing this happen with the Bread previous and yes and we're seeing this happen with these previous topics that we touched on adrenochrome yep. uh young blood yep. um well, the Jewish conspiracy. Yes, exactly. Basically. And this has been going on. This is not new. Satanic it's been panic. Go, satanic panic. It's been going on for... This long. Hey, Donk. What is it, Grump? I am dumb. Me too, Grump. Let's go do dumb things. Okay, Grump. Probably thousands of years. I think so. So it's just As long part... as we've been in kind of any mm-hmm. kind of tribe. Right. That's just the way it is. Right. And in groups. It's like cliques, too. Mm-hmm. All this shit. We as humans in our society, it's very important that we maintain our ability to think critically. Mm-hmm. We have to maintain that. We have to maintain our rational thought. We may have misplaced it recently. And we are human and we all fuck up and we're emotional beings. But we need to try and make decisions based on... Tea leaves, rolling of the bones, hallucinogenic drug trips. Uh, thought ah. instead of emotion. Yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone has ever made a really good decision when they're highly in a highly agitated emotional state. Right. And well, making posts when you're angry. Well, online, if, if we're talking about the internet, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's kind of where QAnon exists and, and where the adrenochrome exists. Well, the world that we live in now, our our social society lives on the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. we do see each other face to face. And I hate it. But those that we see face to face oftentimes are our neighbors, hate our family, Meh. and our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, our physical world, our physical uh, presence in the world is very limited in comparison to our online presence. We know way too many people based on the, our brains mm-hmm. are not set up, at least right. haven't been so far. <clears throat> They're not set up to deal with this many people. Right. I've heard as little as 150 people mm-hmm. you can recognize as 3D characters. Mm-hmm. I saw somewhere where you could know it was either a thousand or maybe 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. You could know them of them, mm-hmm. but our brain is not set up to have any kind of relationship with much more than a few hundred people. Right, right. It's, it's really a tribal. Right. So we've evolved for thousands of generations, mm-hmm. uh, tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, about maybe 250,000 years is what they think at the highest rate, mm-hmm. to be just small groups right. and bands. Yeah. And that is beyond, anything beyond that is too much for us. Well, I think being... But even in those bands, we become subjected to groupthink. Right. Well, I think it, it's a double-edged sword. In, in my opinion, I think banning together to support each other essential. is, a, is it's, it's a beautiful thing and it is essential to survival. No. Um, having a community, whether it's for physical reasons, psychological reasons, it's very important as humans. Must be. However, there is a fine line between support and being manipulated mm-hmm. by your community mm-hmm. um Pure and pressure people seeking power illuminati right and it's all normal it is it's part of the human condition but it can be manipulated against you very and it can easily it can but it's uh you just have to and we're all subject to it oh yeah you just have to do your best to maintain emotional maturity your thoughts well, look try at and it. look at things. Try, try and think of how marketing is working. Right, right. And then look at the other things in your life that are using those similar principles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like governments. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to identify things that are untrue or mm-hmm. manipulated. At least they're trying to mess with you a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, I find it fascinating that so many individuals... Uh, before I started this, I found it like, how the hell, how so many people bought and sold on this? We're all dumb cunts. Uh, the, the campaign, the marketing campaign, whatever you want to call it, for adrenochrome and all of this is, is mm. uh, very enticing. Yes. It really is. It hits all the points that it make does. you, it's about kids, it's about these elite cunts, it's right. about and if you wanna, shadowy shit that we love. Yeah, if you want to lead with emotion and you want to lead with, uh, they get you emotional about it. They make you afraid mm. for future generations. And that's part of the process. And you know what? Chicken asses. There is truth throughout it. It's yeah, salt child and trafficking happens. throughout it, yes. And there are little sons of bitches that have little rituals, I'm yeah. sure. But it's probably not the presidents of the United States mixed with all the right. business people. Well, and I found that what I had to do was maintain, I had to reel it in. I'd get involved in something and I'm like just eating it up. And I'm like, no, Monique, Monique, calm down. Reel it in. Think about this. Just think. And I would... Um, and I said, okay, well, let's look into some of the claims that are being made. Right. So I'm on the, you know, click, 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 click. There you go. And I'm, and I'm digging further into a rabbit hole. The other thing that I found is the internet, of course, has made life so much easier in so many ways, yet it's made life fucking ridiculous 
in others. Right. It's such a huge area. If you're looking for something, you're going to find it. Right. Doesn't mean, I don't mean that you're going to find the truth or reality or something that can be considered factual. You're going to find 18,000 varieties that have a little bit of truth in all of them. And it, you have to deduce which one is the most yeah. correct. And we're not... We're not ready for that. No, we're Most not. Most of us were not trained to do that in any schooling. No, no, it's, no, uh, it's no. definitely something that we should have as, at the top of our list of things right. in school. Right. Is like be savvy, mm-hmm. uh, internet savvy, mm-hmm. and be able to. But I don't think people really don't want you to. It really hurts the economy if you're smart. Well, <laughs> you can see through that shit. So just do what you're told. Oh, I don't know. March along. March I don't along, know. little drums. I, I, I can't. I know that you're being facetial. I am being facetial. But I, I can't, just can't. I can't even facetially agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. We have now come full circle. Right. We started off with cannibalism um, as a psychological disorder. And then we moved through cannibalism as a historical practice. And something that can be considered a normal part of being human mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I have a few enemies I'd eat. Um, I didn't dig into the meta- medical and physical and emotional ramifications right. of cannibalism, but I think we know what that is. They're not good. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah. And then that led to the adrenochrome mm-hmm. thing because it is directly tied to our fear of our, just us knowing about cannibalism, mm-hmm. us being part of right. these things. Yeah, right. It makes sense. And the satanic panic, um, individuals that, you know, they scare the shit out of you, supposedly, mm. to harvest you, to mm-hmm. sacrifice you to their gods or to consume your blood. You can't be all lackluster being sacrificed to a Satan. Exactly. But none of those, none of those claims were found to be true. Not one. Not one. I found that I found that very interesting mm-hmm. when I did the Ninth Circle Cult. Mm-hmm. I think is what it was called mm-hmm. for Time Suck. I did that research, and we we dug hard. Mm-hmm. We were like, well, "There's got to be one." Yeah, and there are, there's plenty of child trafficking. Oh. And there's definitely celebrities. I mean, there's a, a British child's TV host that mm-hmm. was like <laughs> was the most ridiculous one of all. And I think all of us look at things like that, and they're like, "They're all doing it." Mm-hmm. They protected him, and they did protect him. Mm-hmm. And there's weird shit about all this stuff, but mm-hmm. it's. It's less sinister all the exactly. time. It's more stupid. It it's, doesn't. Humans are stupid. That's the main thing. Yeah. The conspiracies that we believe fall apart because people are stupid. Yeah. Even the ones that we think are really smart are fucking stupid. <laughs> they are. None of us know what we're doing. No. I mean, we're all every doing person, our best. Name, I would hope we're all doing our best. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. But you name, name a person that you think is super, super smart. Now, name the field that you think that they're really smart in. And they probably are. Now think of another field, yeah. any of the thousands of other fields mm-hmm. that they didn't focus on. Yeah. The odds are that they're also an expert on that. It's like 0%. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> right, might be able right. to understand it better than some mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the problem. They're going to think that they are. Anyway, I can go on a tangent on this. Right. It becomes a problem. Smart people suck. <laughs> anyway. Well, the, the challenge. They're not as smart as you think they are. There's some weird shit going on uh, across the internet with uh, weird manipulation and weird stories. Uh, there's trolling. It's, it's uh, well, it's the Wild West. What's well, connected to this DI. Right. I think that's very interesting mm-hmm. because that... individuation It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you become part of like a trolling herd. Right. Well, it's where the, you're like, let's all get these motherfuckers. It's the perceived loss oh, of God individuality and personal responsibility. Yeah, I think we see... Every day. Yeah. We're seeing it. And when, when economics goes awry, mm-hmm. when people stop having the comforts of mm-hmm. 
uh, a life that is the modern world, I guess, uh, or they start to lose things or they see themselves not being as, as well off as their parents. Mm-hmm. I bet these kind of group think ideas happen easier. Oh, of course. And in so a we're, situation, we're in a bad time right now. Yeah. In a situation of scarcity, scarcity call, causes fear Absolutely. and uncertainty. And then and you jump out and find a fucking group exactly. to make you less afraid. You find yourself, you, you gather those around you, <sighs> pull them close so you're less afraid and you can do this together. The challenge is... The um, the opinions and the ideas and the behaviors of those that you pull close are going to directly relate or directly affect your decision making yeah, and your you. thoughts. And that goes. And they into might be stupid. In fact, we just learned today <laughs> they are for sure stupid. Yes, there's stupidity everywhere. There's so I know it's it's a it's it's a mess. It is a mess. All right, we have explored depravity. This is exploring depravity, volume one, mm-hmm. and we went all over the place, mm-hmm. but it all ties together. Mm. But let's talk about how it ties together in our minds, at least. Okay. On the other side of this thing, exploring depravity, part one. It's not just nipple belts. All right, you guys. So we talked about Armin Mivies. Mm-hmm. We talked about cannibalism, its legality. We talked about adrenochrome and the young blood thing. Mm-hmm. Really, the inf- where it all came from. Right, right. How far it goes back in time. Uh, we tied it into the satanic panic a bit because mm-hmm. it has a similar vein to yeah. all these things. Uh, before the internet, mm-hmm. it still had that. But then Monique tied it all together with the mass hysteria. Yeah. And I really do think that mob mentality stuff, I mean, cannibalism is its own thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's used within these kind of weird mob mentality, right, right. misinformation ideals. Cannibalism by itself uh, as an effect of mental illness. Right. Um, and those, that's what we have studied or what we have reached for uh, in Here. the past. Right. Yeah. However... Even though we are not actually collectively cutting up and eating human parts, we're using human parts in weird ways. Yeah. We're still putting them in our bodies. And we're all scared of that the goddamn rich folk are doing right. that shit. <laughs> right. That seems to be... Right. A, a lot of us are... Uh, and to be honest, be skeptical. Or we're doing it because of, we want to look good. Right. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, be skeptical. Yeah. Be skeptical of all that, th- all that stuff. Uh, including claims that they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. We should look. We should look into anything that has claims about kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, always. I always. mean, I understand that after a while it becomes absurd. The satanic panic. They looked into it twelve hundred times, twelve thousand times, twelve thousand, twelve thousand times, mm-hmm. and they couldn't find anything. Right. That could be just a very, very airtight conspiracy, mm-hmm. or there's nothing there. That somebody fucking ran with something and it ballooned just mm-hmm. like what Monique said. The mass mm-hmm. hysteria what we see on the internet mm-hmm. a lot of things aren't what we think they are because, right. and a lot of times we want them to be these things. Mm-hmm. It gives us power. Mm-hmm. When you watch the QAnon people, they felt righteous. Mm-hmm. There's millions of them. They feel yeah. righteous because right. they're fighting against evil. Mm-hmm. If you think your opponent in the world is evil then you're going to be able to do things and mm-hmm. believe things about them and you're going to, you know, right. let's, probably go let's a Let's always remember we're all human. Yeah. We are all human. We're all fallible. We have more in common than we have yes. different from each other by we, a fuckload. We all hope that our children 
survive. Right. We all hope that our family's fed and we have a roof over our head. I don't care about my family. Fuck them kids. Patreon.com forward slash scatcast. The vast majority of us care about our neighbors. Yeah. Don't want to see people suffer. Right. So, I mean, we're all in this together. Greater good. And uh, the moment you... Gall dang it. Hands across the world. The moment you villainize somebody that you don't agree with. We get QAnon and yeah. we fucking this weird shit where we can't even talk to each other anymore. Well, and it's and not just QAnon. There are people that will not talk to each other right. around all of the political fucking right, ideologies right. around the world. It's not just the United States yeah. either. We're all having this problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the internet has really kind of created this thing that we've had for many, many, many yep. millennia. Yeah. And it's made it into a very weird place to be. And we're the, we're the generation that's... The first, we're the guinea pigs of it. Mm-hmm. We're really the trailblazers of the psychology that happens after a lifetime of being on the internet mm-hmm. and how different that is from our ancestors. But that shit is probably for another discussion yeah. some other time. <laughs> I so. think this is long enough. Yes, this was our Exploring Depravity Volume 1. Depravity being eating folk. And, uh, and a lot of other things. And then our fear of people eating folk. Yeah. Our, our pretty rational fear of mm-hmm. people eating folk and our irrational fear of eating folk. Yeah. All right. Info at scatcast.com. You can tell us uh, all about what you thought or if you mm-hmm. have some information, if you have any corrections, that's mm-hmm. always very valuable. Scatcast.com. Well, f- you can find all the things there. You can find more shows. You can find the videos. You can mm-hmm. find our merch there. You can become a member of our growing community on Patreon mm-hmm. at the litter box. That is patreon.com forward slash scatcast. Mm-hmm. Become a litter mate or a scatcast or an inside scooper there's all sorts of extra shit in there new podcasts oh it's so fun in there yeah. Yeah. And, and there will be an extra dipshit files in there a month mm-hmm. starting soon we're not ready to do that yet but very soon very soon we yes. might just do another tier there for people that just listen to the dipshit files mm-hmm. we know there's a bunch of you guys but thank you for listening this week yeah uh, thank you to all of the people that help us with this show definitely our social media friends mm-hmm. uh, we've got the, the shitbox wizard Don mm-hmm. we've got Chris the discord dookie slayer yes we appreciate you guys and so many of you guys that participate in the oh, social yeah. media stuff spreading what do you guys call it uh, oh there, it's hashtag smear the scat smear the scat that's yeah, that's, that's going to show up in a court of law later in my great, life. Isn't that's it? good stuff. I like it, though. I'm on board. Fuck it. It's a weird life. It's a weird world. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys. This week, we still have two more Scatcast shows. The Dave and Angus show. The guys are going to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Scatcast presents the Just a Ride podcast. It starts with Jeff Ketchell, Shaden Hutchman, and myself. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk about life and all that silly shit. I'm really excited. Should be fun. I can't wait to hear it. I'm excited for it too. But it's just a, it's just guys talking, so mm-hmm. it's no. There's not a lot of skit scattage. There will be a mm-hmm. skit scat eventually, but uh, not not just. It's yet. definitely the podcast where you grab your cup of coffee or you grab a snack and you sit down and you listen. Yeah. Because basically, what you're doing is you're just chilling with three guys. Yeah, we're just having a. Yeah. But we do have a few things that we like to talk about uh, in particular. And, right. And we all have our little expertise. Mm-hmm. Not really. But anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Thank we'll, you. We'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye. Bing bong. Squeak.